It's 9.30 Eastern, the time zone with the firmest handshakes. That means it's time for the Debbie Debate. What am I afraid to say publicly about Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz? What am I afraid to say publicly about Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz? What am I afraid to say publicly about Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz? I think... (laughs) I think that the high-end comp for Graham Mertz is Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning, Peyton Manning. I think that the high-end comp for Graham Mertz is Peyton Manning. Don't all talk at once. I have zero idea what to say to that. let that one go that's gonna be the cut up i'm throwing it on twitter at the end of the show i'm tagging peyton manning in it hopefully he responds maybe we'll, maybe we'll get a peyton's place where he breaks down graham mertz game film and lets us know how close he is to him the title of the segment is takes that you are afraid to say out loud that qualifier needs to be out there this is a take that I'm afraid to say out loud, but I just did it. You should for you, you guys. Should, so. You should have let I that win. It was supposed to be takes that were so on the fringes, so out there that you risked being mocked and ridiculed, Austin made fun of, teased. Now, I played the game the right way, damn it. I played the game the right way. We have new listeners. Chris, you weren't even here. You weren't here back then. But takes we are afraid to say out loud. So I went out there on a limb with my take on Graham Mertz, thinking that my teammates, my boys, would go out, you know, on the plank with me. They would follow me out there. What was Matthew's take? That Devonta Smith would win the Heisman, who was already projected to be a Heisman finalist, was having like the best season for a wide receiver in college football ever. What? Well, he followed my Graham Mertz take with <laughs> the Heisman front runner is going to win the Heisman. That was his take that he was so afraid that was out there on the fr- fringes. That show aired on December 17th, and um, the Heisman finalists were announced on the next week, December 24th. Obviously, Devonta Smith was a Heisman finalist. Austin, I, to be honest with you, I can't even remember what your take was. I can't even remember what your friend's take that, you know, you were so afraid to bring to the show, to bring to the microphone. I played the game the right way. That's all I'm going to say. And so we're going to bring it back. We're going to bring it back, you three, and see if you all play the game the right way. We're going to see. We're going to see tonight. I mean, just just for the record, for the people who may not have been able to listen to that episode, go back. Episode 9. It was a lot of fun. Uh, some some debauchery was had at Felix's expense uh, for his Graham Mertz take. Uh, Austin's take was, and it was actually, I think, a, a more – plank following take than my devonta smith one though again i will state 
Devonta Smith was a wide receiver. Last time we saw a wide receiver win the Heisman was God knows how long. He wasn't actually. I looked it up. I can I can pull the article up. Sports, um, the sportingnews.com, three days prior, did not even have Devonta Smith in the top six of Heisman favorites. It was all quarterbacks. So maybe it wasn't as out there as saying Devonta Smith was going to be the next Jerry Rice, which is probably what I needed to say to follow you. But it was still a worthy take. Austin's take was that Keaton Slovis is not an NFL quarterback. It's actually kind of a decent take at that time because there were a lot of people who were still very high on Keaton Slovis being like the next best thing. It was bold for me. He's got a point there too. This stuff's all relative. Well, we're, we're going to see. I've got, I think, three. Three takes that are out, you know, on the fringes or that I'm afraid to bring to the microphone. Before we get into that, gentlemen, the Debbie Guide is out. I mean, the company has been around since March of 2021, a little over a year. We're trying to not only bring the Camp to Canton format to the masses, but also produce all of the content that you need for that format. We've already released the Freshman and Supplemental Guide, and we followed that up. Available now for just $20, the Debbie Guide. It's over 260 full profiles, Austin's, um, Austin and Chris's, uh, an explanation of their year one zero theory. I mean, this is a labor of love to, to us. We're working our behinds off. It's mostly Matthew putting that stuff together behind the scenes, and I'm sure he's glad that it's over. But we're trying to lay stakes uh, in the industry, so to speak. We're just a couple of guys from all over around the all around the country who've kind of banded together to do this thing. But support us. Go ahead and buy the Debbie Guide, twenty dollars. Or if you want to be an IL member, get all three guides: Fresh Supplemental Guide, the Debbie Guide that just came out yet this morning. And the CFF guide, the college fantasy football guide that will be coming out uh, in, a, in a month or two here. You will get all of those uh, as a part of your membership as a year-long uh, NIL subscriber. And by the way, we advertise with a ton of folks now. So there are promo codes all over the place. Go listen to, go watch Marcus Sharp on YouTube. Go listen to Rookie Fever now, who we have a partnership deal with. And go listen to uh, Dynasty Trades HQ. We've got promo codes all over the place for you to take advantage of and for you to support the website. Austin, Matt, is there anything? I mean, what did you want to say about the guy? Matt, I mean, I got to turn the portal over over to you because you did a lot of the heavy lifting on this thing. Well, yeah, I mean, just to piggyback off what you said on on the partnerships we have, I mean, just I I hate to to kind of take some money out of our pockets here, but most of those promo codes get you a decent amount off. And if you want to go the NIL yearly, $75 a year, but each of those guys cost $20. So realistically, you're going to pay $15 for all the other content you get. And then if you use a promo code, you're not even paying $15. Like I'm telling you, Sharp Sports on YouTube, Dynasty HQ, Rookie Fever. Use one of those promo codes. I promise you it'll be well worth it. Uh, Definitely check out the pod. It dropped this morning as well. It's on the Camps to Canton YouTube feed. We did a show, uh, a bunch of us who worked on the guide. Uh, My biggest takeaway was just, for me, how much fun it was, even though how much work it was, um, getting a chance to really sit and talk with 
Corey and Mike was the big thing for me. Like I said, I, I've I've worked with Austin and Colin for over a year now. I kind of understand how they value players and what they look for. Just getting to know those two and, and their thought processes on it, like the debates we had, even you and me, uh, you know, uh, Mike and, and Corey getting an upfront behind the scenes view of you and me arguing over one player was just a lot of fun. Like the whole process was, and, and I, I'm really proud of what we were able to put together. Major shout outs to Hannah who really was the driving force behind what it looks like. Like I just did the grunt work. She did all of the, it looks so smooth and, and beautiful. And that was all because of her, me and Austin just kind of did the grunt work of putting all the stuff in place. So major shout out to her and Dwight as well, who, who helped do a lot of the editing behind the scenes. And then again, just Mike and Corey, if you go through Mox, I know we were talking in the chat earlier, you were looking at stuff. If you go through, you're going to see those two on there a lot. They did a lot of the heavy lifting when it came to, to writing the profiles and, and looking at these players so that some of us could focus on other things and making sure the guide came out and looked as good as it does. Yeah, uh, shout out to all those guys. I, I, I shouted them out on Twitter today. My only comment is I think, um, I, you know, I think I'm not like we do things slightly different than I think the traditional Debbie mindset is here at campus can i think part of that is because of the campus to canton aspect of what we do where we watch you know alfred's like deep into the 2024 freshman class already like we're we are watching we've been to elite 11s we're doing interviews with these kids like we watch really far down so we were we really aggressively ranked the freshmen in this i think more so than a lot of other places are willing to do not as aggressive as i personally have them in my rankings but um that that i uh, i was i was vetoed and maybe rightfully so um, but I, I think that's something you'll just notice. And if you flip through it, I mean, we, we've got, we've got running backs, quarterbacks, wide receivers, pretty much every position. We've got a couple guys ranked really, really highly. This, the cheapest they'll ever be it, for some of these guys. Like we had Nicholas Singleton. I'll just, I, I will spoil this guide. So if you don't buy it, you get this one piece of information. Nicholas Singleton is our RB five in the guide. True freshman running back at Penn state. This is still, if he has even a decent freshman season with Bijan going to the NFL, Bijan Robinson with Jameer Gibbs, with Zach Evans, with some of these other guys, this is the cheapest and the lowest ranked he will probably be for at least two years, if not longer than that, if he actually hits. Like, so we, I think we, we were really aggressive kind of taking these things into account. And, and we think that strategically, this is still the right thing. We didn't go overboard. You know, it's not like we have 40, the top 40 receivers and 20 of them are freshmen. We didn't do that. But the top, top guys, after, you know, you get past a handful of players, there's so much uncertainty. There's no reason not to take these guys that probably have value baked in for a year, that have a lot of upside, and that, again, will probably never be cheaper. So I think that'll be one thing if you if you get the guide, if you purchase it, or you're an NIL member with us, thank you very much, or, or anybody else. Um, that is just one thing that you will notice right away. And I am not ashamed that we did it at all. Zero shame. Uh I love when we hit a nerve and we got that feeling when we released the freshman and supplemental draft guide, because like within 20 or 30 minutes or so of the guide being released, I got a DM from friend of the show, Kane to sell saying you guys have Emmanuel Henderson ranked, you know, wherever we had him tiered. And I'm waiting for some of those reactions um, for this guy, because Blake Quorum, who might lead the uh, might lead college football in rushing this year is not where you would think the leader of uh, uh, in the NCAA in rushing is going to be ranked. Julian Fleming can't find him. 
in the in the draft guide. So or in the in the Debbie guide. So that's not true. There is a mention of him in there. And if you find it, I'll I will I'll give you something. There's one mention of Julian Fleming. There's no profile. <laughs> there is a mention of Julian Fleming. I feel like Matthew's always about to give away something, and it's always that Garrett Wilson jersey. It is. He's like, yeah. give me the shirt off my back. And it starts it taking you. it off. It's like, <laughs> so, so go ahead and purchase the Debbie Guide, $20 now, or, again, sign up for an NIL membership yearly, and you get all three of them for free. So support what it is that we're doing. Play in Campus to Canton formats for one, and subscribe to CampusToCanton.com. Gentlemen, we, we got to get back to – this this segment is fun. I mean, it was episode nine really early when we started, and uh, we got to go back to fringe. I don't know who should start first. I feel like I I feel like you know I don't know. I'm a little bit scarred from the last time we did this because uh, you all did not follow up with very hot takes. So let me. But you know what? I'm gonna have faith in you guys. I'm gonna have faith in you guys playing the game the right way. And if they don't, please leave a five-star review and ridicule whoever does not play the game the right way. Here's the first take. And, and, and when we talk about takes that we're afraid to say out loud, I think it's obviously it's against consensus, but it might just be a feeling that you had that's not necessarily thoroughly thought out or an inkling that you had that you're looking for as the season progresses and as you get more information. And so that that uh, description perfectly characterizes this first take that I have, and that is that freshman running back Andrew Paul projects better to the NFL than Branson Robinson. Branson Robinson, very highly touted uh, recruit running back there at 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 Georgia. Georgia known for being RB RBU, but Branson Robinson is very much a locomotive in that I. I don't know that he has the change of direction that's necessary to be a very good NFL back. And Andrew Paul is the same size as Branson Robinson. He's already 215, 220 pounds. He has very good top end speed and he has better change of direction. And so, I mean, Branson Robinson is going in the first round, every single supplemental draft that you'll have. He's going in around the five, six, seven that range there after Nick, Nicholas Singleton. And sometimes he's taken for Texas's Jayon blue, but I think that there's a chance again, this is like, you know, a feeling that I have that Andrew Paul projects better to the NFL because of that, because he, he combines the lateral agility and the, you know, the, uh, he's a better, a more fluid mover maybe than Branson Robinson. What is you all's reaction to that take? Chris, we haven't heard from you. Go ahead. Um, I don't think it's – no, I I wasn't muted. I I don't think it's crazy. Um, I – Branson Robinson is a lot like Braylon Allen where they're really, really raw players, but it's really difficult to project them moving forward because they have so much to do in the technical aspect of their game. that I think that's a strength of Andrew Paul, like you said. This is a guy who understands the technical aspect a lot better than Branson Robinson does, even though I think Branson Robinson is a better, bigger, stronger, more athletic dude. It's really 
like it's not that crazy. I still think I want to take Branson Robinson because like of all the reasons I gave, like he's a really athletic big guy, but it's not that insane. It's not Graham Mertz to Peyton Manning insane. How about that? That's, that's yeah, right, I mean, because I don't know what I don't know what people are going to come up with uh, after this. So I'm a little scarred. I'm insecure. I don't. I actually don't think that's that hot of a take. I did up until about like six hours ago when our recruiting channel and Austin will know what I'm talking about released a lot of stuff recently about Branson Robinson, and I feel like a lot of us are souring on him pretty quickly based on the stuff that David and Matt um, at Solving Football and that big wide receiver guy were kind of talking about some of the stuff they found there. Uh, I, I feel like we're we're I mean. Austin, the original Christopher Columbus on Andrew Paul to begin with, even though Felix has come in and kind of staked that claim and, and thrown his flag in the ground as that's his guy. Uh, I think uh, he's Which definitely is actually ripped. Christopher Columbus, by the way. That's actually what Christopher Columbus did. So um, I, I do think, you know, obviously we've kind of been the pioneers in pushing him up as much as he has, uh, has been. But I, I do think that that's going to continue to rise, especially with the stuff. I, I don't want to say any of that stuff i don't know if i can so i'm just going to leave it at that but there's just some stuff put out in our recruiting channel today that was kind of interesting on the negative side for branson robinson yeah it, it's pretty crazy to me again i think the andrew paul I, i've said this a couple times i think the hype is it has gotten out of control a little bit on him um you know i like i i do like him but small school in texas like not a particularly strong uh, a division there. I know Felix, you loved like Brock Vandergriff, for instance, the, the, the year prior, it, he was beaten up on, on small school guys. And I think, you know, I, as much as I like Andrew Paul, I think uh, there's a little bit of that same exact thing going on where or it's, uh, I think it's even like a small private school uh, division there, there in Texas. Um, so, and I like, I, I just don't think he's going to get realistic opportunity for at least two years. So that's going to be the big thing with him. Like I, especially in like a pure Debbie draft, wouldn't I? It would have to be a, a crazy deep league for me to consider taking him now because his value is not going to appreciate at all over the next two years. So you're going to be sitting there just holding and hoping, and, and at that point, like you're you're giving up on value elsewhere. So no, I don't think that 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 is a good idea at all. If you're listening to the show, don't do that. Don't do that. It's it's the Texas Association of Private and Parochial Schools. Yeah. It's the same division that uh, Deion Sanders coached in when he was a high school off or head coach or offensive coordinator, and that Shador Sanders, his son, uh, pl uh, played in. And yes, it is a, a weak division of high school football, even though it's there in Texas. I'll go to my next one, and this one kind of hurts because I have been supporters of both of these players. They've been ranked in the top twelve ish my wide receiver rankings since they were freshmen, they are now both in their sophomore years. But there is a chance that Mar both Mario Williams and JoJo Earl are just too small to have high ceilings at the NFL or even in college. So this it hurts me. It hurts me to say that. But when you look at the players in that range, Wandell Robinson, Calvin Austin, just a fifth round draft pick. And Calvin Austin, a fifth round draft pick of ha after having a very, very productive uh, career at Memphis. Rondell Moore, um, even with exceptional, exceptional athleticism, these guys have had have not had high ceilings in the NFL. And then the word is, uh, the word is, is that Rondell Moore, or excuse me, um, Mario Williams might be used in that low A dot role again this season. 
at USC, that's just – it's not something I feel good about. I really like these both of these players. I You know, um, JoJo Earl reminds me of Dante Hall. Dante may not like that comparison, but the way he moves on the field reminds me of this punt return style. But still, even with – even with – the exceptional quickness, the exceptional speed, with the exception of Jalen Waddle, who had over 100 catches this year as a rookie in 1,000 yards. But for the majority of these players, we have not seen them produce at a high level. And so there's a part of me, especially after the Alabama spring game, where JoJo Earl like dropped two passes, just looked really out of sorts. He was still starting, but... You have to be special at that position. You have to have exceptional athleticism. You have to be an exceptional playmaker. And so if if Mario Williams is used in this, or we're just going to throw him the ball behind the line of scrimmage and have him run for five or six yards, and if uh, uh, JoJo Earl is dropping passes at Alabama, they are not going to be, you know, get command high draft capital. So that – is the second thing that ugh, and it makes me feel it. Now it's not stopping me from drafting them where I'm drafting them, but it does keep me up a little bit at night. I mean, you can tell that Graham Mertz really hurt you last year because these are these are really not that bold. <laughs> these aren't <laughs> in, that bold. <laughs> impromptu Judge Devereaux moment here, um, yeah. Your Honor. Did, did did opposing counsel not not say last year uh, regarding a guy Hall that that's that spring practice doesn't a spring game doesn't matter at all. The, that he did, yes, you are correct. You are correct, counselor. I re- I rest my case. Anything else on those two, or do you want me to go to my next one here? No, you're you're good. I, I think we all. Well, I know we like JoJo. I think some of us have kind of been down on Mario, anyways. So that's not a. It's I, glad to I see that you're joining agree the group with JoJo. I'm off JoJo. Actually, I'd rather have Jacory Brooks, and I know it was a topic of debate recently on campus life at least in the last couple of weeks like i think jacory brooks is a lot safer asset than jojo world is right now like i'm really not interested in drafting jojo world in the last in the top five rounds and that's probably where you have to take them like i'm why not really, chris so, uh why? they brought they continue to bring in and investigate the portal a lot so like it's one thing to bring in multiple receivers, which they did. They brought in two. They brought in Jermaine Burton, and they brought in um, whatever his name is from Louisville. And then they were also in on Jordan Addison. It's like Tyler they are Harrell. clearly, yeah, Tyler Hare. So they were clearly unhappy with their receiving core, and I think that's been a consistent issue. Corey Brooks was a guy who earned time on the outside pretty much um immediately after john Metchie went down we saw him start in the auburn game he made that really great catch at the end of regulation uh to send it to overtime i i'm really concerned about jojo world i actually feel much better about mario williams than i do jojo world uh, because mario williams looked great in the spring game like he was playing a role that i felt pretty confident in and i didn't feel that way about jojo world so like i i, I am at least concerned and a lot more concerned about that role. And I love Jojo World. I think he's an excellent player. But man, it's hard not to be concerned. 
as Austin said, none of those guys are slot receivers. But another concern that we haven't pointed out is that Bill O'Brien, offensive coordinator at Alabama, is not a good track record with slot wide receivers. He just he just doesn't. Um, so, I mean, if Joe Earl has some sort of breakout season, that will that's going to be uh, unique to to Bill O'Brien. All right, I got my last one here, and this is not a football take. But it's still yeah, spicy. And, and, and that is that Sbarro's is like one of the best pizza chains. It just people like to dunk on Sbarro's because it's not New York pizza. It is I quit. <laughs> it is about as close to <laughs> Chris is going black too. They've jumped out of the chat. It is about as close to New York style pizza that you can get from a chain. People like dunking on Sbarro's. But if you are in an airport or you are in a mall and you see that thin cheese slice there in the window, oh, you can't tell me that that's delicious. Absolutely delicious. You throw a little uh, garlic, some red pepper. Matthew's still here. Austin and and Chris have left the chat. It needs all these things to be good. (laughs) <laughs> you just said if you load it great if I shit, add all the awesome. things to it. I mean, look, it's great I, for mall pizza. I mean, that let's just be honest. It's great for mall pizza. That's all it is. Well, you know, people dunk on it because of the office quote. I mean, that's like the, the heart of and feel like you probably never watched The Office, have you? No, I'm black, so I've not watched The Office. So. <laughs> Come on, Stanley's on there. Um, he, he goes to New York, and Michael Scott, at one point, and says, he's like walking down the street, like narrating his trip to New York, and he goes, whenever I go to New York, I like to get myself a New York slice, and he walks into Sbarro's, which you can get like anywhere, and that's like the joke. I do know that scene. I do know that scene. Um, uh, you know that my, my mother is from New York, and we used to go to New York all the time when we were little. We obviously would go into, you know, a pizza shop, and that's like one of the first things we did when we would drive that 12 hours from Kalamazoo, Michigan, to Teaneck, New Jersey, right outside of New York. But we would also, in Kalamazoo, we would go to the mall and order a, a cheese pie from Sbarro's and take it home like it was like a regular pizza place. I don't know, you know. If anybody else did that, so so yeah, I go, I go to the mall to get my pizza all the time. That's it's this is the best place to go for pizza. I didn't realize that it was something that people you know poo pooed. I think until that that clip came out, I was like, oh, people really don't like Sbarro's. Sbarro's is excellent. You know what? I'm not even afraid to say that out loud. Sbarro's is excellent. That's that should be the name of this of this uh, particular show is that Sabaros is excellent. All right. Somebody else jump on the mic. I, I thought the goal hopes. was to add subscribers, not lose subscribers. So I yeah, will, we're I dropping live viewers. I'm sitting here watching <laughs> yeah. the number. It's just yeah. dropping like precipitously. Uh, Austin, you want to go first? You want me to go? I mean, I don't know how, sure. how hot yours is. I don't know if I want to follow that. So, so, I mean, I think I have a good one again. This is, I mean, this was December, 2020. Where I said the Keaton Slovis was on an NFL quarterback. People still really like the Keaton Slovis. I think relative to me, that was a very bold take. And I think it's correct. If you're looking for a guy that literally in almost every single analytical category has finished worse than Jake Fromm over his first three years in college, you've got a problem. And he does. Keaton Slovis does. On to 26-1-2022. 
and the rankings uh, on campus can update at midnight or so. So this will this will be reflected in my official rankings as of uh, uh, late tonight. If I was on the clock in any sort of Debbie C2C whatever draft and I had to take a tight end, the first tight end off the board, I would not take Michael Mayer. I would not take Brock Bowers. I would take Michael Trigg over both of them in any sort of draft. The we, We've talked for months that, that Michael Mayer and Brock Bowers both have warts on their profile. Mayer is a good, not great athlete. And Bowers, everybody wants to say, he's only 230 pounds. He's not going to gain the weight. He's blah, 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 blah. Michael Trigg is, is 6'3", 6'4", 240 already. Doesn't need to gain that much weight. He's much more of a move tight end. But guess what? We just had this debate with Kyle Pitts last offseason. We don't care if guys are good as blockers. And we don't care if they're even going to be used as blockers. If you're using Michael Trigg as a blocker, you've already messed up. That's not what he's going to do. He's going to be the leading receiver this year at Ole Miss. He's going to put up bonkers numbers. He's going to go to the combine in two years. And he's going to test better than any tight end in his class probably. This is a guy that I want on all of my rosters. And I think the Debbie community has not caught up to the fact that the best tight end in college is not Michael Mayer from tight end factory in North uh, Notre Dame. And it's not Brock Bowers from apparent new tight end factory, Georgia. It is Michael <laughs> Trigg, former basketball player. Who's at Ole Miss. I, that's not bad. I mean, on the Scoville scale, I feel like that's a, Four on a scale of one to ten, but it's not bad for Austin. I mean, a four from Austin is like, you know, it's it's burning up. So, Mister Lukewarm gets between hot and lukewarm, like inches closer to 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 you know, might burn you. I, I do like that. I mean, I think and he should be an inter- integral part of that particular offense. You got anything else? Anybody else ever? Chris, you were you were shaking your head down there i i find it hard to believe that i'm gonna invest in a dude who has seven career catches as a tight end one like i know he's athletic i know he's going to be really involved in Ole Miss his spring game was excellent like he was super involved he looked great he was making really impressive catches for a tight end like i really thought he was um awesome and i think he's tight end three i i have the same concerns about brock about Brock Bowers and his size. Like the dude's 230. Like he needs to add weight legitimately. I don't think it's super crazy to that Michael Mayer is some um he's not an Uber athlete, but I still think he's should be ahead of Michael Trigg. Like we've seen him post ridiculous numbers for a tight end. So I that's a little hot for me. And, and I'll be honest, that's not that might be the hottest thing I've heard Austin say in a long time. I- I said it in the chat before the show tonight in the text chat that I had one that was going to be the hottest thing I've ever said on the show. And I think it might, it it might be, it might be. The only thing is you don't have to take Michael Trigg before Brock Bowers and and Michael Mayer. And so that's the thing that kind of dilutes your hot, my, my, my only problem with that, to be honest, is that once at one tight end goes in any draft, at least in my experience this off season, the next two, are not that far behind him. So if you're sitting anywhere that's not like a turn and you have another pick coming soon, if you like take mayor or whatever, like the the others will be gone by the time it comes back to you. So that like that I mean I would take trick. I, I get what you're saying, but to Felix's point, I know some of our ADP isn't we're we're still working to update some of it, but like 
Michael Trigg still going off the board is tied in five, like uh, almost a hundred picks behind both Mayer and Bauer. So again, it's it's not like you right. have to. Yeah, Bauer. Okay, so Michael Mayer's going off the board at nineteen point seven. Bauer's at twenty one. Then Michael Trigg one thirty two point seven. Woof. That must hey. be an error. There's no way. I'm See, telling you, there is Jack Beck and Jaleel higher, Skinner recently. are going now. Yeah, again, we haven't fully yeah, updated this past recently. this recent month, so maybe that jumps it. But the last one we have in here, at least unless unless I'm reading this sheet wrong, looking at the tight end C two C thing right here, he's he's the fifth tight end coming off the board. Yeah, post yeah, the spring game happened in May, so post spring game, I think that when we update, he'll be tight end three solidly. I've seen him go but, around five a lot. Which I mean, that's still you, that's still two rounds though behind those other two guys. I mean, again, you could. I mean, it's still a hot oh, yeah. take to say he's going to be better. I I don't think he's better than Michael Mayer, just personally. He's, I, I, he's but not. I do. I, I he could outscore him. He could absolutely outscore him in CFF purposes for for so for the purposes of C two C leagues. If you draft Michael Trigg, twenty twenty three eligible. I mean, he's going to be. Uh, a very good fantasy asset probably for the, for the, for this year and next year. Um, so, all right. 2024. Wait, yeah, 2024, Trigg is 2024. Yeah, he's 24. Yeah. He has, he has this season and next season left in eligibility. All right. My, um, my only, my only other one. And just real quick is that I still think a healthy cash on is a better prospect than Jamar chase. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think chase, chase might have him slightly, slightly beat as a downhill as a downfield threat. Uh, purely based on the fact that he just always gets that little shove in at the catch point. He pushes but, off. He pushes but, off. All but the time. Boutte, Boutte, in my opinion, is, is, is a healthy Boutte. If he hadn't gone down last year, is a better prospect than Jamar Chase. And I don't like. I don't personally feel that bad saying that. But I think if you say that on Twitter, like the the Twitter police will show up and and, and just execute <laughs> you on the spot. That's because most of those guys that, don't know who Boutte is. Um. So I've got oh, two. I'll save my second one because it's it's kind of like a direct shot at Felix, so I'll save that one. Ooh, okay. uh, my first one, I, you know, hey, gotta There's keep keep gotta keep the the skit going, right? Uh, my first one, I everybody is super excited about USC, Lincoln Riley, Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams. I think Dan Lanning and Oregon have a better two years there and Caleb Williams doesn't make the playoffs. And I do not know that he's a first round draft pick in two years. I'm just not as sold on him as other people are. So there you go. There's my, there's my Graham Mertz because Caleb Williams could end up making me look like a complete idiot, but I just, I still think he's got a lot to prove. I want to see him go out there and do it against some of these top tier defenses like Utah. I expect Oregon to be up there as well. And as good as that offense I expect to be, I don't know that they make the playoffs the next two seasons. I really don't. I think Oregon and Dan Lanning are going to have a better next two seasons. I think Oregon makes it into the playoffs before them, and, and I'm out on Caleb Williams. But I, I kind of openly stated that before. It's the hard part for me. I just say whatever I want on this show, and so it's kind of hard for me to come up with hot takes. I just say them anyways. So Oregon, correct me if I'm wrong, was in the Pac-12 championship last year. You're saying they're going to be in the Pac-12 championship again this year? That's right. I mean, take. have you have you looked at Twitter and what supposedly USC is going to do this year and going undefeated oh and making God. the Pac-12 championship in the playoffs because they've got Caleb Williams and Lincoln uh, Riley? 
at Debbie Debate on Twitter. Please, please tell me if that is Matthew playing the game the right way or the wrong way. How is that not um, Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams or Dan Lanning and Bo Nix? Like what? I mean, even Moxley's a little. Well, I mean, I think the hotter take is I don't think Caleb Williams is a first round pick. You're just gonna skate right past that part, but that's fine. Oh, I didn't hear you say that. Yeah, I did say that. I, he he definitely has some stuff to improve on. I mean, he is just a he is a like he's Johnny Manziel. He's the new age Johnny Manziel. Uh, That's I mean, I wasn't going to be that mean, but sure, that worked out well the first time around. What are you talking about? He was a he was a first round draft pick. I'm talking about like when you compare somebody to Johnny Manziel, that's not supposed to be a compliment. Is is the way I'm I'm putting it to you. His play style is very similar to to Manziel. It is. Um, All right. All right. My second one. I think Jake Garcia is going to at some point in time take the starting job away from Tyler Van Dyke this year, and I think he's a better quarterback. <laughs> oh, man. Getting hot That's here. second oh. one. I, I, I thought Jake Garcia was better last year. I think the injury last year is what caused him to not end, end up being able to beat out Tyler Van Dyke. I just don't think Tyler Van Dyke is that special. I know a lot of people keep saying he's going to be a first-round draft pick this year. Don't see that either. I think Jake Garcia is better for that offense, just a better quarterback overall. Wouldn't be surprised. Well, I can't say wouldn't be surprised. It's got to be a take. I'm afraid to say out loud. I think he at some point beats Tyler Van Dyke out and takes that starting job at Miami this season and is better for that offense than Van Dyke. The the truth is is that I almost had a Tyler Van Dyke, a similar Tyler Van Dyke take for tonight's show. Not that Jake Garcia was better than – him, but just the fact that Sam Howell being drafted where he was kind of just shook my foundation for how the NFL evaluates quarterbacks. Because is Tyler Van Dyke that much? Is there is there a possibility for him being that much of a better prospect than Sam Howell? I don't think so. I think that they're very similar stylistically. Some mobility, deep ball passing, gunslinger types. But the NFL just that's not exactly what they're looking for. So I don't know if there is anything that makes Tyler Van Dyke substantially different from, from Sam Howell. And like Sam Howell, his last season in college, Tyler Van Dyke has lost all of his uh, weapons. Mike Hartley, uh, Charleston Rambo, no longer there. So he's going to be thrown to a lot of tight ends in Miami. And then he gets, I mean, I think that Josh Gaddis and Mario Cristobal are going to be a ball and chain and throw uh Tyler Van Dyke into the into the ocean as far as his productivity goes. So, uh, and and Chris Moxley does not agree agree with me on that one. Um, is that is that it? Oh, is that all you got, Matthew? Anything? Yeah, else? I'm a little disappointed. I really thought you were going to come to the you know defend no. t- your boy Tyler Van Dyke. I, I, no, I've I've said some of those things about him since Gaddis and Cristobal went there. So, um, but I don't think that it's going to be. I don't think Jake Garcia is going to elevate them. So. All right, Moxley, what do you got? So I have a handful, actually, and I think they're pretty spicy. So I'll, I'll, I'll kick it off the Caleb Williams one. I think Caleb Williams is quarterback one in Debbie and C2C leagues. His freshman season was one of the greatest we've ever seen statistically, race stat-wise. He had a 99th percentile season in QBR, EPA for play. And yes, he came in as a a very raw player, right? And I was really skeptical of him passing-wise because his completion percentage in high school was really poor. He made strides that I did not expect year one. 
And that was year one, and he was excellent. I think there's a legitimate chance with his rushing upside. He had 559 yards when you take away sack yardage, which was double Bryce Young, which was four times what C.J. Stroud had. I think there's a legitimate chance, fantasy-wise, that he has these that that he has the prospect profile, that he has the upside to be quarterback one, and I think he's going to be a top three, top five draft pick. I think that he's if he's not, I would be genuinely surprised. I really like Caleb Williams, and so I was I was shading my eyes when when Matt was Matt was down on him. I I think he's an excellent player, and I. I think he's a legitimate shot to be quarterback one. And I think that he should be drafted as such as of now. And I, I drafted Bryce Young over him and I'm already regretting it. Oh yeah. I, I just think he's an excellent player and we we're only scratching the surface of his potential. I mean, I don't agree. Uh, disagree with that from a CFF purpose. Debbie. I now I'm, I'm out on that, but I do. I mean, he's likely going to smash this year just because of how bad USC's defense is. He's going to be on the field a ton. I just think he has a lot to clean up as a passer. And and maybe I'm reading too much into what the NFL did at the draft this year. I'm just completely fading these guys who are really athletic, who can run around and, and not necessarily work from inside the pocket and within structure and be able to actually pass the ball. I need to see that from Caleb Williams before I'm willing to say he's going to be a top three pick because he's got to improve his passing. He just does. We, we all sit here and talk about how great he was because he made one good pass down the sideline. If you go to some of those other games, he struggled at times passing the ball. Now, again, second year in this system, maybe you're right, but we haven't seen it. So I can't say he's going to be a top three pick for me. The the difference that I think with him, which is why I think that it's legitimate to vault him above Stroud and Young, is he did that as a freshman. Both those guys had a year to sit in their systems. And so I think Caleb Williams, what he did, and then what he showed us in the spring game, and like, yes, it's a bad US, USC defense, but he was still locating throws. And it's like, that is enough for me to push the envelope with his rushing side. Um, so counselor, that is where Austin, I'm being top. I've got a, a question for you from the judge. Um, I was told that spring games don't matter. Is that true? Or It's according to Felix, yeah. Okay, so yeah. I don't care that he was locating in the spring game. Next, next point. Obje- objection, relevancy overrule or whatever a judge says i don't know you're out of order <laughs> this whole thing is out of order give us your next one chris all right um trying to decide between one of these next few i am slightly worried that jameer gibbs is too small that's be... not a hot take come on man you can't say slightly worried and it's a hot take <laughs> i am worried that i am my pants that jameer gibbs fine, is too small. Fine, 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 fine. <laughs> That, that is something that I'm slightly concerned about. We can skip that. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the single most overrated Debbie asset in Ooh, leagues. Yes. Please give it to us. Um, this dude had Please give it to us because I, I love these videos that he is posting on uh, Instagram. He is looking very, very athletic in these videos. So uh, go ahead, Mox. He has a seven-catch game where he happened to catch three touchdowns against a Utah defense that was absolutely reeling in a Rose Bowl game that happened to be, like, super high scoring where we were just chucking it and no defense was played. And that is the only game where we've seen him do anything at this point, and we're ranking him as a top-five wide receiver, saying he could be more impressive than Xavier Worthy. And I don't even like Xavier Worthy that much. Like, 
he is super overrated until we see a larger sample size. And I'm someone who will invest in upside, but not at the cost that Marvin Harrison is going because we simply have not seen enough. And he's posting shit on Instagram. I I, I have seen these, these draft me commercials from the NFL where they do the same shit. And it's dudes who are not nearly as fast or athletic as you think they are. Like, I think you can do a lot with the jug, jugs machine, the way you angle it and the way that you send a ball off of it. That's all I'm saying. It was impressive, but don't give me that as a reason to draft Marvin Harrison as a top three, top four Debbie wide receiver. Like, this dude has not done nearly enough to prove that. Austin, you got to respond to this one because Marvin Harrison Jr. is your boy. So get on the microphone and talk to Chris on this one. And you guys were the OGs on him. Um, I actually do think that like his value is basically at the top of where it should be. Uh, I actually think Ibuka is probably a better uh, value in drafts right now. But sometimes you just got to pay for a good player, man. Like he's, I, I would be willing to bet pretty much anything. He's their wide receiver two this year. The wide receiver at Ohio State. The wide receiver two at Ohio State is a very valuable player, even if you don't think they're good. Like this, is just the nature of the format. Like I think he. <laughs> 60 for a thousand and eight or nine. That feels like a pretty good season for him. I think that he's in that wheelhouse. I'm you can't really yeah. call that a rate. That would be a better season than anything Quentin Johnson's ever done. Like just better straight. Than up. What Xavier Worthy Quentin like. Johnson at TCU versus Marvin Harrison Jr. at with CJ so Stratt is all. Let, let me ask you a question real quick, Moxley. Where did you have um JSN last year coming into the season? Ranked for you. I had him lower than everybody else did here. Oh, you okay. idiot. So that's why. Yeah, look how well that that turned out for you because everybody else was saying I mean, JSN lower, was the next coming of the I'm best wide receiver. I'm lower on JSN now than anybody. Like after I, I can, I'm kind of in the Felix camp of JSN. Like I don't think he's a super dynamic, like super high upside NFL player. Like I think he's really good and solid all around, but I don't think like, he's a super high upside guy. And I, right. I still have questions about Marvin Harrison Jr.'s athleticism. Like, I don't think that he's a super athlete, despite this stuff that's being posted on Instagram. I thought his athleticism was the worst part of his profile coming in. And I really, really liked him back in, like, February of last year. I thought he was really underrated. And I felt like he rose way too quickly, and I just don't think we've seen him. That's fine. But... Well, what I mean, what are you, what are you gonna do? But, That's, but I'm just but, trying to be. But hot. you like Quinton Johnston, hot. but you know he who is he, he, who is athletic, who has. Yes, but black, he hasn't done anything. Had, well, he did last year. He, yeah, he he's a TCU. Why you? I he's that heads up CJ Stroud. Oh, he's got Max Duggan. Like That's Max fine. Duggan is not CJ Stroud. If you're good, it doesn't matter, right? He's been good with with both yards per team pass attempt and his market share data. Like he's been super impressive in both those numbers, despite playing limited games in both seasons. So like, I just have a hard time putting Marvin Harrison jr. Above a guy that we've seen do it. And like, if Quentin Johnson's the barometer, like I have no issue with, with putting but my, my last thing on that. It, it goes to what Austin said earlier with our Debbie guy and our freshman ranks. Sometimes you just got to take that shot. It's the cheapest you're going to get him. Like whether you think his yeah. value is high or not, this is the cheapest you're going to get him. Cause he's going to go out there and blow up this year. He's going to have, in my opinion, probably a top 12-ish wide receiver year for fantasy. And that's going to just vault him up to even higher. So, I will say two things about Marvin Harrison Jr. I think that his play style does not require elite athleticism. If you look at the, the players that's, on that's his true. spectrum that I think are included on the spectrum, uh, uh, Deontay Johnson, 
I would put G Scott is the same type of player. Um, like these okay, guys that, were that now we're talking. Now we're talking. Let's go. Well, I what think I mean he's, is, he's Higgins. Tech, I think I yeah, think that he, he, he has more um, suddenness to his game than 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 T Higgins. But I but I mean you know we'll we'll see. But then, well, the other thing I was going to say, oh, the particular drill that you were mentioning, where he is standing next to the jug machine, putting the ball in, and it's going up. That is not that. Yes, that is a test of his acceleration to get to the ball. But is it that is a ball tracking drill? Where because he is not looking at the ball as he's sprinting to get it, he's looking at it when it's coming down on its arc, has to find it and catch it over his shoulder. Um, which is a, a, a that's really what that drill is intended to. Um, because when you're playing wide receiver, you want to look back at the last possible moment to avoid your defensive back hitting at your hands and all this other stuff. So that's what that drill is actually. I oh, his ball skills are excellent. Like, I don't think that's a that's a knock on his game at all. Like, I think he's really good ball skills. And I, I've always felt that about him. I always thought that he was a really set, technically sound wide receiver. I just always questioned his athleticism. And we're looking at this video, and everyone on Twitter is saying, oh, look at his burst, look at his speed. I'm like, okay, like he's still a guy who I think has a, an average athletic profile at best. Like I just don't, I just don't see that same upside yet. And I'm maybe like maybe Matt's right. Like I, I'm just too low to come around and I, I'll just be wrong this time next year. I just, it's the same way I feel about a couple other players like Jackson Dart, who we're just vaulting up for limited sample sizes without actually seeing the results play out. Hope. I, it's just hope. I, I think a big thing that you're kind of getting at here that you're not saying, like after, if you look at, at rankings, how many players do you have to go down before you feel like you, you start really questioning a player? Like the quarterbacks, there are point. probably four or five oh, guys. Yeah. It's not Absolutely. That in college. Like at wide receiver, probably four or five guys. Like it's is not a big tier up there. So in reality, like after after those handful of guys, like you can really put anybody there. And it kind of is like, well, I can't I, really argue with that. I agree. I agree with that. I think I think your question becomes how confident are you in projecting upside and projecting outcomes? And I think um like I'm someone who aggressively ranks freshmen, right? I, I, you know, I, that that is something that I do consistently because I believe in upside. But when we've had a chance to see a player, there is always the ask for more until they do more. And so I like that's the question that I have with Mark Harrison. Like, what is his actual upside? We saw him do great thing. We saw him do great things in a limited sample, but is that something sustainable? Does it deserve a top five ranking? I don't know. And so that's like him going mid second round in Debbie drafts. I think he becomes one of the more overrated assets in Debbie. All right, Mox, give us one more before we close this out. Um, I think there's a better chance that Sean Tucker goes day three than he does round two. Like, <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's yeah. that hot, but he, I'm really skeptical of a Syracuse back. Who I don't think he's an excellent receiver. I think he's a fine receiver who can do it because Garrett Schrader can't throw deep. I think he's fine at getting checkdowns, but I don't think he's a really good receiver. I think he has really great speed. I think that there are some technical aspects of his game that he needs to work on, but that, there's a way better chance that he's a day three pick than he is a guy that I really want to be investing in in Debbie leagues. Like I, I don't want Sean Tucker on my team based on where he's going. Um, I'm, I'm pretty 
off Sean Tucker. Like, I don't think he's a great receiver. And I think that's going to really hurt his profile, especially Syracuse. You can get our breakdowns of all of these players that we discussed today in the Debbie Guide, just $20. And, of course, the Debbie Guide, $20. But there's a lot of content on campus2camp.com that is absolutely free. We're trying to expand this format and produce the all the content that we can to help you win in these leagues. All right, that is going to be our show for tonight. For Austin Nace and Chris Moxley and Matt Bruning, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws, end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bell caught it! Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman. Made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.